This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is, of course, Cat Bus Russ with the Ava Queen Kitty on my lap. And this is where I like to give my context and trigger warnings. And this is a pretty inoffensive episode, I would think. I mean, we do drop a few S-bombs. But otherwise, uh, the only thing I could say that might be controversial is that we do get a little judgmental about uh, Hollywood. I'm going to say that. Uh, But some would say it's women's looks. Basically, we just discuss Emma Stone and Brittany Murphy, how they were just cool looking to begin with and then they felt the need to go into this bombshell stage and you know we kind of like the past i suppose just like people to be people but beyond that i don't think there's too much offensive as i say and i hope that uh the only offensive thing you will hear is the fear.com stuff so stick around we'll talk about zombie land with nick from in love with movies <laughs> The power that can find you. I'm coming for you. Seduce you. The one thing that all the victims have in common is the fear of sight. And scare you. Don't you want to play with me? To death. Fear.com. The last sight you'll ever see. Going on the internet too much, right? Look for it on DVD and video. And I've just concluded watching fear.com.com as my uh, co-worker and friend of the show, Tim Bates, has uh, brought up. Uh, We were discussing uh, movies about not knowing when the internet or what the internet was, i.e. hackers, even Johnny Mnemonic, which qualifies for the podcast, Johnny Mnemonic, and it's Keanu... It's Henry Rollins. Of course, I think it's worth a watch. Worth chatting about on the show. But I digress. Fear.com is a feature about a... Basically, it tries to combine your Dark Castle entertainment. I don't know. I don't believe this is a Dark Castle project. It was through Warner Brothers, though. So there might be a connection. So... 13 ghost type makeup with um, a in well I mean it's a ghost story essentially it's Stephen Dorff has been chasing down a serial killer called the doctor portrayed by Stephen Rhea so not happy that we have two Stevens in a movie that spell their name incorrectly but neither here nor there right now and alongside uh, Natasha McElm, I sorry, she's um, quite the actress, and I keep I uh, just have to probably listen to a podcast to get that right. So she was in Californication, uh, was probably her biggest American thing, uh, and she's Deidre in Ronin, which doesn't qualify for the podcast. Definite recommendation. So he's Stephen Dorff's chasing down Stephen Rhea, who's Serial killing happens on websites, snuff sites. And each killing, he changes the website. Well, somehow, everybody's being attracted to 
fear.com.com and you watch watch the video there you have 48 hours before you're going to die thinking about your worst fear so we got a little so we got the ring combined with 13 ghost makeup and crappy early naughties editing so there's just um but I'm not saying it's painful. It's just boring, I guess, is where I'm at with this feature. It could probably intrigue some people, though. I know ghost movie fans, and this isn't necessarily a scary one by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, when it's a German, UK, US co-production like this feature, hence why I don't think it's a Dark Castle, like, you gotta go for video nasty kind of stuff. And, uh... It really just holds itself back from that. So there's nothing interesting being chased. Not enough time is to develop is given to probably giving chemistry between our two leads. Jeffrey Combs isn't in it enough. Um, yeah, he just doesn't play a cop very well. Or I should say he plays cops that aren't very good. So frighteners on that one. So, you know, hey, it brings up a lot of nostalgia in terms of references. And it's funny, though, uh, that... And I hope this is pretty much the last movie that... Oh, the internet's a scary thing type thing. We were still dealing with dial-up. So imagine if you did this movie now with high speed. I mean, it's Ghost in the Shell without gaudy horror. I mean, it, not Ghost in the Shell. Oh, God, sorry. Ghost in the Machine without gaudy horror. It's um just a whole lot of attempts at doing something interesting and not once succeeding so i'm not as afraid to say that maybe i would like to watch this with somebody to get a better opinion upon but uh yeah i just uh if you're not doing anything it's just not a good movie never mind like how did it become fear.com dot com so you know gives me some ideas on working for future podcast episodes <sighs> so this one might be an earworm kind of like the peter weller movie uh, shadow hours it's not good but something's there little hand says it's time to rock and roll bring the noise Welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. If you want to get an idea of what could be on the podcast next, you can follow me on Letterboxd. The username there is CMDarth, all one word. That's CM as in Chick Magnet, Cookie Monster. Cool Movies was the original intent, but all my podcast buddies have told me just stick to Cat Bus and abandon the Star Wars reference. Otherwise, if you want to fill your home with my dulcet tones, you can ask your Amazon Echo or Google Nest device to play 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ, and that should get you here. And this week, my guest is one half of the host of In Love With Movies, and that would be Nick. Danny was off doing her own thing, I suppose. 
But I met Nick at C2E2 during a networking session, a real kind of rough thing. You can hear about that on my uh, C2E2 episode from a few weeks back. But very cool guy. We just decided to talk about Zombieland this week, a movie that, you know, is like comfort food. I compare it a lot to Ghostbusters, and we figure those parallels out. As for Nick, I would say In Love With Movies is about relationships and seeing if your relationship can endure a movie suggestion, I suppose. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I'm supposed to show up on there in May or June, but I'm not exactly in a couple. That's been the way since the pandemic started, or at least lockdown. So that'll be interesting, but as I say, we're shooting for a May-June on that one. They drop a monthly podcast every last Tuesday, so... Their new episode has dropped today, so go give that a listen to. They, I'm catching up on it. Their clues conversation was great. So otherwise, let's just jump to the easiest stuff. You want to be on the show? Offer me a movie, theme, director, actor. Just focus on sub 100 minute material and send it to rustabus07 at gmail.com. And now on to the show. Planet Earth. Home to over 6 billion people. Today, our very existence is threatened by epidemics, climate change, and dwindling resources. But those are the least of our problems. Welcome to Zombieland. My mother always told me, someday you'll be good at something. I mean, I don't think she could have guessed that that something would be zombie killer. What do you think? Zombie killer of the week? Close, but no cigar. Zombie killer of the week went to Miss Cynthia Knickerbocker. Gotta enjoy the little things. Fellas really let themselves go. Zombie land. You guys want some Purell? Yes. Yeah. All right, dealing with Boomer Siri there, as I always call her. Uh, <laughs> it's more disappointed, I think, that uh, we've decided to use this primarily for podcasting instead of business, you know. But uh, I digress. So this week on 90 for Chill, the podcast, we're talking with Nick from the In Love with Movies podcast. Nice uh, Star Wars tattoo on the right arm. Thank uh, you. Thank you don't think we want me to do this topless so i can't can't show <laughs> off mine um and uh we're gonna discuss zombie land so kind of uh shoving this in between uh two shifts and uh at my jobs and uh 
basically I work in an electronics chain and in a uh, beverage chain. So really? Yeah. So beverage chain. I didn't know that was even like, what would be a beverage chain? Well, I mean, uh, presuming since uh, we met each other at C2E2, uh, beverage huh? depot might be a uh, better way of placing it. Yeah. Yep. No, understood then. Uh-huh. Right. So <laughs> uh, I've lost a job over confidentiality breaking. So I better, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll keep things. Uh, we both know what's being said and know, and you know, the hashtag, if you know, you know, we don't got to go any further than that. Right. So. Precisely. So as I say, uh, zombie land from 2009, uh, as I was, uh, we were talking about doing that movie. I, uh, stated that well i did a review for the my the illinois central college harbinger back then when it came out um and i would say it's i mean it's just a this is a appropriate that it has that entire ghostbusters bit in the <laughs> uh in the middle of the feature uh because that's kind of the vibe it uh portrays pretty much i would say yeah, you know what? I didn't even think of that, but now that you mention it, Russ, absolutely. I think that's it, precisely that's sort of just, um, you know, a, a silly tone making mm. light of what has previously been pretty serious horror, um, and 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 is a quick, you know, as the podcast entails, a, a nice fast ninety minutes to get in and out and mm-hmm. you have a good time and don't have to linger with it. Yep. Uh, only thing you're really waiting for outside of the ninety minutes is. Woody Harrelson trying to uh, do the groundskeeper uh, impersonation in front of uh, Bill Murray with the just as a bonus clip the in the immortal war in the words of the immortal philosopher Jean Paul Sartre or Ivar Gofa, but. <laughs> As I said, that's what you that's the kind of post set credit scene I appreciate more, especially now when you have uh ten minutes of like yeah, I like the MCU, uh, but ten minutes of credits and then it's well, you know, I don't know. I haven't really seen any of the phase four movies aside from uh uh Far From Home, so it's funny you mentioned that because that was gonna be the one that I complained about the most. I was gonna say like they really have just gotten to the point where they're lazy with it. They're like, well, we have to have one because we've established that we have post-credits. Oh, we don't actually have anything cool or unique or funny to do. I'll just slap a commercial for the next movie that we have coming out there on the tail end of it. That'll be good enough, right? And it's like, right. No, it's really not good enough. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those that they could have, uh, I guess, just taken, decided to stop doing that after, um, after Endgame since we didn't get one there. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions recently with my older sister, the poetic critic, about. Uh, well, basically, she she she's in a camp of let's end these comic book movies for a time being. Right now, I'm in like, no, it's going to correct itself type phase. Um, so, uh, I hope it corrects itself. I definitely yeah. don't think it's a foregone conclusion that it will. Um. Yeah, I just there's been enough happening in the MCU specifically. There's been enough happening in the TV shows that I'm like, I still have some faith. Yes, you know, yeah. There's, there's good creatives over there, and the fact that Feige recently, I guess, came out and said like, "Hey, we're gonna slow the pace down and we're well, gonna just... hit pause on some of these things." I'm like, "Oh, good. So you did notice that the the quality has declined, and you need to do something about right. it." Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. But uh, that just does uh, 
remind me uh Rupin Fleischer's the director of Zombieland and I've really only seen uh two other of his movies um that there was Gangster Squad which is the follow-up which is like I, I don't know if it, you're getting your own tone type thing <laughs> he's primarily a tv director yeah and then after well no I guess I would say I've seen three of his movies Zombieland Double Tap which it, it it works, I think. Just um, it definitely didn't capture the magic of the first. Oh, uh, I well, I don't. I think it was more of a. Uh, well, we obviously know it's by that point a legacy sequel. You know, yeah, 10, yeah, ten years so later. Um, I mean, it's not Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I think kind of caught the magic of Ghostbusters, but um, I would agree. You know, we we kind of I guess I guess they should have you know been like oh you know five years later we'll do the zombie you know the Ghostbusters two just to amuse us and then we'll work on getting the perfect movie done. Yeah, yeah. So because I still have a soft spot for Ghostbusters two, regardless that it's nowhere near. It in fact is my like that's the one that stands out for me when it comes to Ghostbusters was Vigo and the slime like that's Mm -hmm. the one that I remember growing up more. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's see. I was four when Ghostbusters was out, and then, yeah, by '89, it was. I mean, that was just a weird, uh, you know, chock full solid movie releases. Batman, uh, a lot of movies lost, of course. You know, UHF uh, primarily is my big one from that. Uh, but Ghostbusters, Little Mermaid, a lot of blockbusters. I think it was a like kind of the. Batman kind of started the blockbusters over again. And... Yeah, almost like a reboot because there'd been kind of that more um, since Jaws, there'd been a little bit of a die down, arguably. But, uh, well, I think it was probably like Ghostbusters, I think was probably the 84 is probably the last big blockbuster year. And then you had, um, yeah, a decline. I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit was like the only $100 million movie in 88. Um, so. But, but yeah, you we, mentioned UHF, so I have to ask you, Russ. Have you seen Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic? No, I, I have. No, I have not yet. Uh, it's a uh, definitely, definitely on the queue. It's just like, oh, that's Roku channel. You know, it's like, okay, I know I can. It's not hard to find or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, yeah, you know, the act of having to find it, I suppose. Yeah, especially if you don't have a Roku, that's going to be like an extra thing. When it first came out we happen to have a Roku in our bedroom. And so mm-hmm. it was being advertised to me like nobody's business. And in fact, still is like every single time it's on a save screen or whatever it, it you know, weird. Have you seen weird yet? It's like, yes, you should know that I have. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought that uh, it was very weird Al, and that it was self-referential, fully aware of what it was doing. Um, and Daniel Ratcliffe understood the assignment as they say. All right. That's yeah. That's all you can. I mean, can't ask for more there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, Ruben Fleischer, I guess the other movie was, and my transition was, oh, Venom. He did yep. direct the first one, which. Deadpool as well, I think. No, sorry. That's no. the writer. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, so, I can't really say he's. In... <laughs> he's this... hit or miss at best. <laughs> at best. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked Venom, but I'm not going to say it's a good movie by any stretch of the anime, the imagination. Um, sure. I think. Uh, I mean, the best thing, like, it's a buddy. It's basically like if Logan and Deadpool kind of have that same kind of chemistry, 
that movie should be awesome, especially since it's going to lead to be MCU instead of the Sony verse. Sure. So, um, and let's see, I did, I have seen Venom 2, which was more or less, oh no, no, uh, Andy Circus, you could definitely do better. <laughs> and, uh, and then once you have the entire Venom at a party scene, when, when you got the uh, glow sticks and everything, it's like, oh no, it's neon, it's comic books, it's Batman and Robin. No. It was so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like, if you just make it a movie about Eddie and Venom, no real actual stakes. Uh, I think it's worth, you know, that's how they should have approached it, I suppose. Yeah, or, you know, make it um, sort of a very personal thing like deadpool for example the first deadpool uh you know was i thought very good in, in that regard like the only people it really matters to are him but it makes right. that matter you know what i mean like the rest mm-hmm. of the world doesn't care <laughs> yeah uh, yep so uh, but yeah no i had i had written down for ruben fleischer hit or miss because i saw he did uh another movie with jesse eisenberg i think actually, oh 30 30 less. minutes or less which i didn't take the time to see um, oh see i actually think that one from it's been a long time so i like, don't hold me to it but it's been a uh, i remember enjoying it and i wrote well, that down as like okay cool and then superstore i saw that he had done i really mm-hmm. enjoyed superstore but yeah a lot of his movies are venom <laughs> right yes <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd say I probably liked Venom more than Gangster Squad. Like, how about Uncharted? I have not seen the Uncharted movie yet. So, Uncharted is one of those rare films. So, listeners, if you ever go listen to me, part of the whole thing of my podcast with my wife in love with movies is there's always something to find to love about a movie. Mm-hmm. So, it is very rare for me to just stop watching a movie. Oh, <laughs> up on yeah. it, and Uncharted is one of the few rare gems that has warranted that. Uh, uh, I got about 20 or 30 minutes in, and then we just went, nah. <laughs> there's oh. there's in here for me to keep doing this. <laughs> I, I think that just might be what's happened to Mark Wahlberg, all things considered. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to quit doing all the, uh, you know, my, I'm going to still st- still be in R-rated movies, but it's not going to be the male chauvinism that I'm known for or the ridiculous humor like ted and it's like i mean i i don't know what where he finally got to that decision i figure that's something you get once you get out of prison you know maybe (laughs) (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying like yeah took you a while to get to that stage um so okay well i mean it's good we get the ruben fleischer stuff right out of the way because yeah i mean you get beyond that and i mean 30 minutes like i don't know i guess it's just going through my notes it's like uh it took me a while to really get the appeal of jesse eisenberg i suppose i mean he's he's a very niche thing that he is decent at that and i think actually that could lead us into Zombieland because i think he is possibly a big piece for the magic of what makes this movie work oh at least yeah, uh, it's sort of his delivery of the way that the narration is done, everything like that, and and like that first opening scene, like one of my first notes actually is that like I'd be hard pressed to find a better cold open to a movie that perfectly sets up the tone, tells you kind of the basic, you know, we're setting the stage for the rules, introduces you also to your main character and shows like their nature, and all that is so well done. And part of it's Jesse Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. Then you watch him in basically any other movie, and he's 
some of the time this character fits and mm. other times it doesn't. And then other times you have, uh, you know, Lex Luthor. And <laughs> you see, I like, I have ran into enough um, nerds and people who I, you know, obnoxious nerds, I should say. And, uh, you know, people with the kind of Lex personality that I thought he, <laughs> I thought he, I thought he cut like, no, it's not. Um, Oh, who does it on Harley Quinn? Um, Giancar- Giancarlo Esposito by any any stretch of the imagination. I get the the suaveness of that, uh, but no, I've seen it like no. This is what a millennial uh, <laughs> Billy like. You don't think it's too far removed from Mark Zuckerberg, really? Uh, well, that I'm, Lex Luthor. He did also do a fantastic job in the Social Network, and we'll right. just say that. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like I always as a website to somebody who went to school for web design originally. It's like, uh, yeah, I really did not dig Tom and Tom from MySpace and Zuckerberg. It's like you took out all the work I was do, I was doing like had the you know, eh. so the, um, but we say all that, and it's kind of like I do kind of want to see the movie from Tallahassee's perspective. That would be interesting. Yeah. Especially like to get the backstory of, you know, you flashback kind of how you flashback to 406. Right. For, for Jesse Eisenberg's character, which, by the way, I clocked. I did not realize the last time I watched this. That's Amber Heard. Who, yes, like, it is. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I picked up on that a while. I was kind of uh, just weird movies. Like knew she was in like I could see at Walmart and VHS back in the mid <laughs> the mid noughties. Uh so mid noughties i like that um yeah yeah but seeing tallahassee's backstory with that and then also like growing into where you see him lying about it that mm-hmm. could be very uh fascinating but yeah it's maybe too heartfelt of a story i think right oh yeah no it's <laughs> well and i go I, I bring that up because it's kind of like i don't really know if we ever really get mature much actual growth in our characters in this which i guess is why i kind of think the second movie works because you know 10 years down the line okay so they they have to change and they have to adjust to each other finally as the family this one is so like there's definitely no growth in abigail breslin's character there's no growth in tallahassee and ascent you know the only one i would say would be emma stone's uh wichita just because you know she's got the entire trust barrier to break yeah, and I would say to some degree that that's a little bit of growth on Jesse Eisenberg's character. Like, it's kind of the whole found family idea. Oh, no, the the narrative's there. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but I agree with you. Like, as you're sitting here talking about, like, yeah, they're the same people by the end of it, for sure. And and again, that like, I bring it back to Ghostbusters. It's like, no, nobody. Yeah. Especially Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, you know, Vankman was not going to... He wasn't going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change. So, uh, I don't know. Perhaps that's why it took so long to get Ghostbuster sequels is because uh, Bill Murray just doesn't like playing the same character over and over again. Uh, from yeah. what I've gathered. That's a good point because it's always every character he's ever been is like there's always Bill Murray-isms. But at yeah. the same time, they're not like Jesse Eisenberg, for example. They're not right. like basically just the same character over and over yeah. again. Oh, another good Eisenberg, and I know it's like, uh, you know, almost considered hot take. You know, it's uh, 
uh, Cafe Society, which was a uh, Woody Allen, which you gotcha. could see, you could definitely see a Jesse Eisenberg play the Woody Allen um, neurotic character, right? Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, I, I, I'm no, I have not. I've been meaning to watch Pharaoh versus Allen, but it's like, you know, um, well, I mean, there is settled law on that one. And it's not like Michael Jackson, who's like, oh, and we're going to bring him up on the same charges 10 years later. Or R. Kelly, who just, you know, like, you got away with it. Come on. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, he hasn't gotten away with it, thankfully, anymore. So right, but um, I did have the conversation at one of my jobs. It's like, all right, yeah, we've canceled all of R. Kelly's, uh, no, you know, uh, songs, but you know, was it? Uh, are we going to do that too? I believe it, I can fly. Right, <laughs> like it's just one of those. Um. So there's a let's see, Tallahassee protect. So. It, this does like you know this movie does have a lot of questions. What's happened in the rest of the world? Like, oh, I didn't even think about that because yeah, they do very much center it around the United States and kind of mm-hmm. like from the right. opening frame all the way through at the end. He says something about America, so yeah, that's a yeah. Good question. It's like uh, yeah, the as they say, it's a tainted burger from a gas station. So <laughs> unless somebody is on a plane, I don't see that. It's kind of like. 28 weeks later it's like oh they kept it on the eye they they kept it in britain and then you know at the end of that you see oh now it's gotten over (laughs) over to the mainland yeah i will say i mean it depends because they've never like they don't fully explain how long um it takes for it to like take hold like because the only time mm. you see the transference is like the you know 406 Amber Six. Heard comes mm. right bursting into his room you don't know how long it's been since she got bit immediately you yeah presume it's recent but then you also don't know like they clearly fall asleep kind of you know on top right whatever and so you don't know if that's 20 the... minutes later or mm. if it's three hours four hours later so i would say like it definitely you know you could get it and then be on a plane i do know i remember when this movie came out like being excited for it, hearing lots of chatter about it. It was still relatively early in the sort of everybody talks about things this much on the internet, not just mm-hmm. the like really, really uber nerds talk about it on the internet. It was like now everyone does. So I remember hearing a lot of chatter. And one of the things I remember is that they were originally trying to pitch it as it was going to be like an anthology series of movies. I don't know if you mm-hmm. heard about this of like, so there would be, you know, this story about these characters, and then you'd have another story about another set of characters, and then you'd have right. another story going on in Australia, and another one in Europe, and another one in Japan, and, and it would be like, you know, the sequel that originally they would have wanted for this would have been a whole different set. And actually, that's where, I, as I understand it, a lot of the sort of zombie kill of the week stuff came from. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. And the Cause... choice for a narrator was like, it was originally going to be just one generic narrator that was kind of you know telling this person's story and would occasionally pop in with things like zombie kill of the week which would add to the credibility of it because like how the hell does jesse eisenberg's character know about some other random person right so so zombie kill of the week and it's like but how how do you know that well an omnipotent narrator would have right Um, so like uh stephen stephen fry is the narrator of the hitchhiker's guide or Uh, Patrick Stewart, like in Ted, like yes, that, you would have that's... something like that, yeah, mm-hmm. and not actually being a character. And I don't know when or why they decided that they needed the 
the narrator to be an actual character. But it, it, like, funny enough, some of the humor of this movie is that like him knowing things that he he couldn't we shouldn't and, right. Yeah, but yeah. like I said, like I think Jesse Eisenberg kind of being the neurotic character who's delivering these lines and is also the sort of protagonist you're following. I think that's part of the magic of this movie, which is so funny to me to think that like, oh man, because I would have loved to see a world where Zombie Land was an actual thing that you know had a series of movies with different characters, but I don't know that it would have ever worked. Well, I mean, it's kind of uh, ironic, or I think yeah, ironic in a sense that you bring all the anthology stuff up. Uh, this is essentially like the I'd say for me, it seems like this is the end of the running zombie feature. Oh, uh... you know, like I can't think of anything uh, after 2009. Like Romero had just done Diary of the Dead, um, which, you know, he really makes a point in the feature with some of the lines like, no, you can't. No, you can't go fast. You're decaying. Or, um, and then same year uh, was the Zombie Diaries, um, a British movie uh, playing on the, again, another shot. Like, there was a lot of controversy. Like, who who got to it first? Romero or, look, Simon Pegg does the narration for scenes in Diary. So, I oh, think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so the out, outbreak occurs, and they're not runners, obviously. Um, and then, after you know 2010 i think is when uh the walking dead started uh and... i have to look that up but i was just looking world war z did start world war z came out in 2013 so i might have to say that's the one last but i it think the well-received movie it wasn't a terribly good movie so i would still give well, you that this was the last one that succeeded it, at it and may have you know oh i haven't i haven't seen world war z because i'm not a fan of the runners myself uh, okay, like, okay. I'm uh like I I love the 28 Days movies, but I'm also a big Danny Boyle guy anyhow. And then, sure. um, yeah, but uh, I think I I can't really remember the reception. I think it's looked better upon now, World War Z, but it's the it was just not what the book was. Yeah. I mean, I've heard enough interviews of Max Brooks to to know that. Uh, and then it was the uh, just all the bullshit that went into that movie, the pretty much having to reshoot the last third of the movie, how much it cost. It's like, I think all of those stories kind of overshadowed the movie. So if it wasn't a perfect movie, which everybody will agree with that. Yeah, it wasn't going to overcome. It's not like Titanic where, oh, gosh, it's this is Waterworld all over again. And then. Well, I mean, there's no story in Titanic, but <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say story, more of a dialogue issue. Cameron can't say James Cameron's ever really written clever dialogue, which is no, that man is like he is there for spectacle and spectacle for spectacle's sake. Well, we say that, but then is like, I think his best movie is The Terminator. But did he write that, too? I think he did. You might be right. I may I may be wrong. But even that I almost think you could argue like I well, I guess he did write those characters. It's just the that movie is still much more concerned with spectacle with the uh, with the you know T two thousand or whatever. The so. well Terminator two, so it was written by Cameron and his okay. his first wife, uh Gail Ann Hurd and 
I mean, it's it's nuts that people like his exes still work with him because, um, I mean, Catherine Bigelow was next, and then there's. I didn't realize he had been married to Catherine Bigelow. I think I think they were married. Um, well, if you go back to Near Dark, where you got Henriksen and uh, the woman who played, uh, uh, I mean the uh, sol- the Hispanic soldier in um, Aliens. Mm. but it was a saying just um what i'm getting is dialogue was never a big thing in uh in the terminator even it's just yeah run down the facts and terminator is probably his shortest movie um unless we're gonna dig up piranha 2 the spawning (laughs) um so it's um yeah but terminator 2 is definitely all spectacle really and um well, true lies actually i guess would be his most his best dialogue yeah i would agree with that yeah and even that is kind of a lot of it's pretty uh oh you're writing a one-liners right. right you know like <laughs> yeah it's an action movie it's a yeah. it's the it's the last 80s action movie it's it's what the last action hero should have been agreed and last action hero is another one that i have nostalgia for but like it, when i look back on is just it's yeah. not actually a good film. Oh <laughs> no, no. I I knew that I knew that as a 14-year-old. Like yeah, it's uh, uh And we were just recently talking about the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie on uh one of my oh. other podcasts and yeah, it's just it's it's the same thing. It's like I have all these fond memories and like baked into my being of like loving this movie, but yeah, you can't twist my arm to get me to say that it's any good. <laughs> oh, you see, I um I listened to a podcast out of uh, LA called uh, Screen Drafts, okay. um, where they come up with the, or I guess the gimmick is creative colla- uh, competitive collaboration to create the definitive best of lists of a certain genre. Okay. And um, you get a lot of it. Uh, so they've done video game movies and such, and they did. Um, and the video game movie is one they're saying, oh, it's hard to find um, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. And uh, so it's like, oh, well, geez, I guess I'll keep my eye out for a DVD. And I found one at a, a mega replay down here. And it's uh, I watched it and it's like. It's like I did not like it when I saw it when I was 13. <laughs> I think I almost apologized to my dad for having to watch it with us um but then i watch it and it's like yeah if you took away the franchise element of it i think it works uh i could i could cut 10 minutes out of there but yeah i don't i don't think uh dennis hopper and i was recently actually listening to uh how did this get made on super mario brothers and like you know there no hopkins is on um hopper is on like they're giving it they're all regardless yeah i mean that's uh, true yeah so let's see tainted burger no real character but but when i when i get back to that uh no real character growth it's i recently I was prepping to do a mcgruber podcast oh okay and it's like like this movie's very slight like everything happens everything moves and MacGruber, obviously, if I'm going to do a podcast on it, is a shorter movie. But 
I think going they go so hard for the laughs in that movie mm. that like okay you're really forgetting the narrative <laughs> so i mean that's uh something i further appreciate about zombie land yeah and, i would agree it's because yeah. it's got that balance i was thinking that too one of the notes i had was its pacing is just just about perfect like it's right moving at a clip mm. and it's never and there's these great jokes along the way but it never like stops yeah, to to, like just, we're gonna just stop everything so we can have this long joke sequence and there's nothing else happening. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, Let's see. Among those gags, like I thought the running gag of the Twinkie, um, oh, it's just so you know, per- it's just dumb. It's so stupid, but to like have that be a thing for Tallahassee and then the final, you know, gag of the buckshot and and losing it. Yeah. Uh, or the clowns, like they made this like stupid joke about oh, the clowns, the clowns right at the beginning. Into, like an yeah, actual beautiful thing. It's a oh, good book. It, every there's so many uh, what is it? Chekhov's revolvers in sure. this movie. So yeah. it's like you're almost amazed they're able to use them all because once you introduce it, you have to use it. Um, with that all, so that's um, let's see. So yeah, the yeah pacing is dead on the twi- Oh, another Twinkie bit was the entire fact when you go cut back to just before Bill Murray gets shot. Spoiler alert, but that's kind of mentioned. That's kind of the selling <laughs> one of the selling points of the movie. Honestly, by that after week after the first week, it was out. Yeah, they pretty much started. Yeah, saying yeah. hey, look, we do got Bill in this. <laughs> yes, um, is uh, when they cut back to him just before he gets shot. Uh, it's they you know they got it's the uh, oh. The amount of paranormal, t- say this Twinkie is the yep. amount of paranormal. It would weigh as, like, what do you say, like as big as a school bus, basically? And he's like, yeah, yeah that's a big that's Twinkie. Big twinkie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, so they really were able to work that one out. Um, yeah, so let's see. And the running zombie. What's happening in the rest of the world? Yeah, it's, it, this is, I guess. The problem with taking notes on a movie like this is that I still fondly remember it so well. It's like <laughs> I'm there, you know. It's not like when I do this, and it's like a new a movie I haven't seen. Like a 90 minute movie becomes two hours just as I'm trying to mm, yeah, document and break yeah. everything down. This one is uh, basically sleepwalking through in a sense. Um, it's funny. I've got yeah. I was going to say, I don't have many notes either. And I think <laughs> what I've discovered with our podcast is that's typically when, because I think the last time that really happened was Princess Bride. And mm. it's just, it's just like, there's something about the movie that, that really takes you along with it to the point where it doesn't feel very easy to stop. You're just like sitting and enjoying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I'm not critiquing this as much because I'm just, I can't even quite put my finger on all of it as mm-hmm. to why I love this, but it just, it, it sings and it executes. And I feel like that is one of the things when I look back at Zombieland, I'm like, I start listing off like the, the, you know we talk about who the director was and what the mm. other credits are and some of the others and hit and miss maybe even mm. with the writers and you're like this on paper should not work as well as it does mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? it's this the you know you've got the like it's kind of I think the start of some of that stylistic violence at least for me it was you know what I mean like we're gonna hit it for comedy beats the way that you know something I mean obviously you've got your evil deads that have come well before yeah but kind of that fast paced thing that you then see in like the Kingsman or mm-hmm. or nobody um, I or saw right. that you recently covered that I loved yeah. nobody and mm-hmm. yep was the same kind of thing um yeah and 
I guess the on paper it shouldn't, but it seems to, it just all somehow comes together. So, well, I guess uh, when it comes to the direction, it's also, um, you can definitely see a lot of Zack Snyder influence in it. Like, sure. A lot of slow motion. And, um, well, I mean, the entire throwing up the rules when something happens is like something extra that would be thrown in there from Snyder just to, just as like, oh, you better remember this. Like, I happen to love the Watchmen, but I actually uh, really like the Watchmen movie too. I know a lot of people, you know, don't, and there's other reasons to like or dislike Zack Snyder, but when it comes to that one. Yeah. Um, oh no, he's like you give him a comic book, like I mean, people are divided, I think, on Dawn of the Dead just because like it's nothing compared to the original. Sure. I mean um well, I mean, the original is a masterpiece, so it's like, yeah, that's uh, one to very difficult to tackle. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not a running zombie fan, but um, it leaves you a lot more hopeless. So I guess that's kind of the charm of Zombieland. And I guess that's another thing that works out in Zombieland, too, is at least they evolve the zombies to a bit like, oh, they've, you know, I think there's like the T-800s, the Homers the second one yeah yeah so um again it's as you said if it was if it would have worked out like the anthology as it was intended and i think there was a series i was gonna say did you ever watch no no i didn't was i think it was one of the first ever amazon originals okay uh i'm trying to remember what year it came out but i remember same thing happened when they started buzzing about the tv show there was stories that because they weren't going to be able to get the same actors that they were going to have it be an anthology and i guess somewhere along the line they decided they wouldn't be able to get anyone to watch it um oh. in retrospect i look back i'm like they should have at least tried because they couldn't get anyone to watch, watch it with it. yeah these other actors play the same three four characters mm-hmm. and you know it just didn't it didn't not only obviously did no one could execute tallahassee the way that you know oh yeah does, but on top of that it just didn't feel like it was written as the same character and it's like you would have been better off to just take some of these ideas and make new characters that you're following but okay yeah so i don't know zombie land the series unless i've like clicked on just one episode like i see 30 minutes it's 30 minutes and i see the word tv movie this is on imdb so of course amazon owns imdb so they might be trying to bury this further gosh i didn't know that either Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's there's nothing pure in this world anymore, and that's. Um, I, but now I do see the big ad. I do see the big ad for Dead Ringers, though. <laughs> the uh, Amazon Prime series, I think, based on the Cronenberg uh, movie. Except instead of Jeremy Irons, you're getting Rachel Weiss, which I could really work, but. I haven't, I haven't seen... That's one of the Cronenberg blind spots, is Dead Ringers. I've never been too big into Cronenberg, so uh, mm. it's not been... Uh, yeah, I, I just... It took me a while to really get into him, though. Like, um, you know, in high school, the big movie there was Crash, the one about people getting off in car accidents. Um, So there's a lot of... Then it I don't know, maybe it was The Dead Zone, which isn't a very Cronenberg, Cronenberg movie that uh, 
finally got me around. Or, or I think I've just always got a lot of uh, like body horror that I'm just not always into as much. Right. Of. Oh yeah. No, I think. Uh, and then I say that, and it's like I probably it probably took me a while before I got to the body horror stuff. Honestly, um, like Eastern Promises, uh, mm. uh, History of Violence. Like mm. there's a little bit, if you, but definitely not what uh, Gorehounds were looking for. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, once I saw Reanimator, I guess that's when I kind of dropped my guard towards <laughs> body horror in general. Um, let's see. I feel like I used to have more of a handle on it uh, when I was younger, and, and mm-hmm. almost to a point of like just there were so many quali- quality movies that I knew had it, therefore I would end up watching them. Mm-hmm. And I often this I don't mean this is an accusation it's a, f- a statement of fact not a blaming but I often say like I ever since I met my wife I see a lot less movies and mm-hmm. especially movies that have any kind of body horror like I can get desensitized to it and can get through it mm-hmm. but like I'm not going to choose to go out of my way to to spend my alone time doing that and she has absolutely zero interest in anything like that remotely to the point where she would you know cover her eyes or be really grossed out or just you know insist on not watching it in the first place so i end up being like well since i've seen less of them and less and less and less of them for the last eight plus years Mm. you know you you you, you're not as interested in seeing something that you haven't uh seen that often when it comes to body horror so oh i can i can understand that um no i've uh had a converse like station uh, on twitter uh, about this movie that came out gosh probably eight years ago now uh dave made a maze i have not seen it it was on hulu forever and now it's not it but uh one of the wrestling podcasts I listened to had one of the guys who starred in the movie okay and uh, it's like oh i'm gonna get around to watching it but then my ex-girlfriend it was like i'm not really like <laughs> she's she yeah you know, she's not an, she was i showed her army of darkness i didn't show her the evil dead too you know and eh, it's not really your thing it's like and so i'm saying oh you know heard great things about it and it's like how and that guy responded to me how can you say this you haven't seen it well i mean because it was a time where i was living with a girl who <laughs> you know that that wasn't her thing i mean i couldn't even get her into army of darkness and she said uh, you you get back with her just so you can break up with her again was his <laughs> his response <laughs> like uh so that's um but yeah it like that's like when you i guess i stop and i think like especially after what seeing john wick four <laughs> Which I know I shouldn't have done. A, like, well, there's there's debate. Should I've done that on the podcast? Like, the first movie was a solid ninety hundred minutes with I mean, hundred minutes including credits. So it's like, yeah, it definitely qualifies for this. And then it's like, if you do something as awesome as John Wick, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm gonna give you another thirty minutes for your next movie and another thirty on that. And like, this is just where it goes. But it made me think of like actors I'd love to see in it. And then I think about Zombieland. It's like Bruce Campbell, you know, this would be, oh, well, I guess that'd probably be a crossover movie or as in an effect that like, oh, you want to see, you don't want to see Bruce Campbell. You want to see Ash Williams. It's like, no, I, I want to see Bruce Campbell, but. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, you yeah. I mean, have Bruce, Bruce Campbell can play eight different people in the four different Spider-Man movies. Why the hell can't he play right. just somebody in this? Have it be a. Yeah. Have him be somebody who's getting like 
and you know, do really obtuse fun with it. Like have it be Ash Williams from North Carolina type of bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. He won the zombie kill of the week and you see him chainsawing someone. Somehow. Right. So like, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's see, yeah, we, or shit, even better. Have him play himself just like Bill Murray and be like, right. Bruce Campbell gets the well, you zombie kill of the week. You couldn't necessarily do that because he had his movie, uh, I Am Bruce. Mm. So, which uh, has its charms. It's definitely, I mean, he directed it um, about, it's basically some kids made Awoken, an ancient Chinese god <laughs> god of tofu, and uh, <laughs> out for vengeance. And then one of the kids from that group, well, I'll call on Bruce Campbell to go and solve this. Like believing that Bruce Campbell can do everything because you gotcha. They'd see yeah. movies or whatever. Sure. Right. Right. So um, yeah, that's a little too inside baseball there. Um, now, when I think about though, like uh, the, the soundtrack of this feature kind of makes it like, you know, it's a film of its time kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, like I think that's a da- I just more of an observation of the danger of having a song score that's all contemporary stuff. Like, like if, yeah. if if you don't like that period of music, and I'm, no, they they pick bangers. Like, but like if this was made in two thousand two, like I, I no, I'm not going to stand for all the new metal <laughs> that would have probably been in the soundtrack instead of the Black Keys and the Racketeers. <laughs> Yeah, they had a lot of stuff of the time. And I remember thinking, like, because even For Whom the Bell Tolls is kind of, I mean, obviously it's older. It's ti- but... Well, it's a timeless one by this yeah, point. It, the, it was, I can't remember, and now I'm not going to remember the name of the song, but the scene when 406 comes into his apartment um, and there was a song happening in the background, I was like, oh, this is very 2009. Like, Yes, <laughs> yeah. I And I only bring that up because when you go and look at the movie Ghostbusters, where it's basically, if it wasn't on the, you know, made for the movie right it wasn't on the soundtrack right right so that's uh just an observation like you gotta really kind of be timeless with it like tarantino and all his movies like i feel like the 2000s was full of this we're gonna put music into mm -hmm. stuff and it like funny enough i think started to some degree with things like scrubs was putting really good indie stuff on and then like CW TV shows realized, ooh, we can pull people's heartstrings for this scene that we are doing for our characters, and we don't actually have to write a good scene if we just play this song that is so popular right now. Yeah, you know, oh, I would say pull the heartstrings. We're going to do the same thing that way. As, well, but then movies and everybody else started doing it, and it's yeah. like, yeah, now you've just dated your stuff. Right. Well, I would say with Scrubs, uh, that's such an eclectic soundtrack at yeah. times. So, like, oh, arguing, are we playing New Order during surgery? And <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah. what I was saying is I think Scrubs like I think Scrubs did it well, and then yeah. everybody trying to copy it was like, oh, they use music, and it's like, yeah, but they also intentionally chose stuff that's kind of like very eclectic, very right? Small. Like if it was a known song, it frankly probably became a known song after being on Scrubs, as opposed mm-hmm. to like this is the most popular song on the radio right now. Let's put it in our show, like, right? Well, as I say, Tarantino's you know the end all be all when it comes to coming up with that, like. I mean, just the fact that you have uh, cat people in Inglorious Bastards uh, <laughs> tells you about that. Um, 
and he's kind of stepped away from it because it was definitely something you couldn't really do with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, when you got the uh, Enzio Morcone soundtrack for The Hateful Eight, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't need anything else, right? Yeah. So now I've just got a couple little observations. Like uh, this is this is just something I don't think it it's like a bugging thing of mine, except like. I don't know. I always found Emma Stone to be cuter in these, which again, saying, oh, I'm judging her by her looks. Like, well, she looked more like an every girl person. And then, you know, I think it was Gangster Squad is when she got real trying to do the uh, Hollywood thing. Yeah. And it's like, ah, and I guess I could say the same thing about Brittany Murphy. Like, you look at her in Clueless and Girl Interrupted. It's like, oh yeah, very seems real. And then, um, never mind. We're not going to talk about Aloha Emma Stone. <laughs> I have not seen that one because I just have heard everything that uh, you implied in the tone of your voice just now. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. I've I've met enough uh, second or third generation. Uh, Asians who like, yeah, I know, you know, uh, like at a back in my wrestling career, I had a great feud with the Asian sensation Brett Kakia, and it's like, gosh, I really got to like, I'm not saying you're not of Japanese heritage. <laughs> I just know your name is Wilson. <laughs> your real name is Wilson, Brett Wilson. <laughs> it's like, but. I so I don't really fault Cameron Crowe for that casting. It's just I don't know. Maybe, that was before I could even get into Bradley Cooper. Not to say that I can really get into Bradley Cooper anyhow now. <laughs> like, um, not not I I I can't. You know, I have I'm not a I've never gotten around to American Sniper. I'm just not. Yeah, I, I saw it. I don't know. That, I mean, yeah, he he pulled some stuff in there, but I think the best to me peak bradley cooper is probably silver linings playbook but i mean i've been enjoying him since limitless and the a-team movie no the a-team yeah he's great as face yeah and that's Um, like and 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 like almost when you say he's great as face like obviously that's the character in that but also he's great as face yes (laughs) oh no the only only like honestly a-team that really deserves a reassessment because i think the only weak thing is uh Rampage Jackson is a BA because I mean I I'm a sucker for Charlto uh, Copido or, or sure yeah um and then uh, Liam Neeson can't Liam, go wrong yeah with Liam Neeson. yeah can't do that and so it's like yeah uh, yeah it's and Patrick Wilson's good in it I mean it's, I mean Jessica Biel's never really impressed me but that's yeah she's she, speaking of just kind of being faced she's there you know what i mean yeah like, yeah so my wife would always like she hates on jessica biel oh Hard. there's no reason to hate on her well I i'm I, I agree with you but i would say just like because specifically jessica biel has married justin timberlake oh my wife continues to try to fantasize about that she will have a, a, a life with someday uh you know whenever i pass or whatever it is so she she just loathes jessica Beale for that reason and no reason other than that no i mean i had that thing towards ryan reynolds but um like um ryan reynolds uh well basically my big thing with ryan anti-ryan reynolds stuff was more like he's not a comedian 
why is he getting all the comedy roles and not the, and granted he's definitely got the he definitely knows how to do it i can't fault him there but it's like like i don't know anybody could we could have gotten ripped the band-aid off that dane cook thing earlier if we would have cast him in a movie and he bombed <laughs> like yeah um so that's uh but no once once he like his it seems like his entire life was dedicated to making deadpool happen <laughs> and then like you you just you just see him as kind of your uh a devil ryan reynolds is a devil or an angel on one of your shoulders <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that's you know he kind of speaks to to us that way but um no so it was wasn't a like so yeah, I didn't like the fact he was with Scarlett Johansson, but eh, I'm not, not, uh, you know, See, I'm, now, more, I'm more of a Keira Knightley guy anyhow. So I... <laughs> I've had a thing for ScarJo since uh, like Eight-Legged Freaks. I thought she was, you know, I had like a crush on her way back then and then, you know, Perfect Score and, and you know, uh, uh, and that's before I think she did Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, Lost in Translation is when she blew up. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm a big fan of Ghost World, but you know, as a kind of, as a the geeky guy, like no, I definitely related more to Thor or Birch. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I will I say, yeah, I think the only reason I don't hold uh, that against Ryan Reynolds is like he's a beautiful enough man that like if it if if I were to ever have a chance with ScarJo, yeah, and it had to include him, I'd be like, okay, oh you know, well, I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I get enough Queens. Uh, kinsey questions myself it's like well (laughs) uh so yeah only other thing that really came to mind was the entire native america the uh, native american store bashing i don't really know like what to make sense of that it's like are we like is it insulting to the native americans or is it empowering to the native americans because you know that's just a bunch of white people shit (laughs) i didn't even think about that yeah Um... i just no, that's a really solid uh, idea, solid point. Like, because that store could have been any side of the road tchotchke theme. Yeah. So it's it's a choice, you know what I mean, to to make it, and it's almost, if anything, it's maybe arguably a choice trying to establish, like, in what part of the U.S. geographically they are, just based right. on where you'd be more likely to see something like that. Mm-hmm. But even then, when you think about it, it's like, well, they don't really bother to tell you anywhere of where they are, except for when they're... They're in L.A. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, and so which you know, that also didn't really need to happen. Yeah, which really kind of... I mean, well, that's the entire thing about zombie apocalypse is like, even if you have, like, walkers, I don't understand how they ever really take over, especially in the States. <laughs> like, we have more guns than people here literally yeah yes um so it's like uh and then their entire story of, for the second movie get ending up in washington dc it's like yeah that seems like quite a trek and then you got holes in the plot of course like why is there electricity yeah i thought that too and there's like because i thought that at one point uh and then toilets like he always goes to use toilets that whole yeah toilets and i'm like dude if the zombie apocalypse happens, running water is not going to be a thing that you can just like rely upon. And right. you're crapping in the woods, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I guess the running water thing is theoretically 
unless unless there's a backup at a plant. Hypothet- it doesn't yeah. go out as quick as is is electricity. Yeah, the electricity, right? Yeah, there's uh, a yeah. there's a whitest kids you know uh, sketch about. All right, we succeeded in bringing down the government. Anarchy. Okay, yeah, no, that's cool, but we need like you expect us to still have the same luxuries, right? So <laughs> we got to organize. No. <laughs> that's against everything we just fought for right <laughs> so that's um yeah i don't really have any uh further notes aside from well let me see what my, else I got. so yeah i i so for one thing i was gonna say i actually think so the same as i had a note about i really think this is kind of like the perfect open in terms of setting the tone mm-hmm. i also thought that the the final climax scenes taking place in uh, you know the the amusement park were the perfect culmination to me in terms mm-hmm. of what this tone was about and we're going to have that kind of stylized violence and we're going to you know we're going to take everything that we've shown you up until now but we're going to amp it to 11 and we're going to show you a whole sequence for like 10 minutes 20 minutes mm-hmm. however long it is i thought that was really well done mm-hmm. um let's see so then i also to to go along with that and speaking back to our conversation about the music i loved that I actually have a note that like the, whatever music they chose for Tallahassee's scene, where oh. you genuinely think he might die. Like, I mean, first time I ever saw this movie, I was yeah, you gotta really have a gonna... you, you gotta have a martyr somewhere. Yeah, I was like, this is the, they're gonna do it. That's fantastic. It's gonna be such a good story. And the music was like making you emotional, and it's still now is like I obviously know what's gonna happen. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Like, it was making me emotional a little bit just watching it this morning, mm-hmm. and that's not a song that anyone knows. You know what I mean? It was clearly just either made for this movie or chosen for this right. movie background. And it's like, this is another reason to like, why, why choose what's the popular music of the day? You're just mm. dating your film. Yeah. Well, it's uh goes back to nobody. When you finally have the Christopher Lloyd, uh, Odenkirk, Riza, you know, <laughs> surrounding themselves. And I, I, I freaking hate Liverpool football club, but they, when they, you know, you hear, I've been to enough games to boo them. It's like when I hear the <laughs> when you walk through the storm. I totally man. forgot that Christopher Lloyd was even in that movie, and it makes me want to go watch Nobody right now. Where, oh, where did you yeah. stream it from? Where's it available? Uh, I had it on iTunes, so oh, okay. uh, I believe it is on HBO now, but on Max. But I'll have to go check. Not that out. certain. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. What else did I have? Oh. I mean, the, the, we already talked a little bit about Bill Murray, but we should talk yeah. more about him because not only the like beautiful of that Twinkie scene that they choose from the movie, mm-hmm. them reenacting star or uh, the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yeah. scene that's hilarious. The fact that they like make you think that Bill Murray is a zombie, mm-hmm. then they make you think, oh, they're gonna kill Bill Murray, then they mm-hmm. make you think. No, they're not going to kill Bill Murray. Maybe he's going to join them. It's going to be hilarious. But then, nope, they, they do. And it like, yeah. comes out of nowhere. Like, you have two seconds to realize, oh, shit, bang, he's actually oh. <laughs> And Oh, no, it's, it, again, going to the future, the sequel. It's, like, celebrating. I mean, they that's something they, oh, yeah, if I find the guy who killed Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and Bill Murray gets his entire, they still got Bill Murray back for Zombieland, too, just as a when it when the virus breaks out yeah you know, he, backstory yeah he immediately kills al roker <laughs> oh, <that's> like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah uh, they they definitely play on the timelessness that is bill murray like um 
I mean, as a Cubs fan, I've been to enough games where he's shown up. It's like, um, and I always end up at the Caddy Shack whenever I go to Wizard head head up for Fan Expo in okay. Rosemont. Um, so it's. Um, and, Are you going there this year? Uh yes, yeah. Uh, so my older sister, she's a. Uh, essentially the poetic critic but she's essentially sheldon from big bang theory in a lot of ways <laughs> okay uh, so she does not drive so i gotta i'll i'll drive to peoria to pick her up and then dang drive well i'll i'll spend dang the night brother. yeah well i mean my parent my dad probably appreciates it more that <laughs> i'm the, keep debating i'm yeah, trying yeah. to maybe think because i would love to get my picture taken with uh christopher lloyd and oh yeah and even better if there's any chance to like actually speak to them but uh mm. yeah that would be the thing that would take me to it otherwise i'll have to just save my money after c2e2 but uh yeah oh I, well that's uh so that was something i was going to bring up so i have not listened to any of the podcasts but i got a good ex- uh in love with movies it's kind of oh, but what happened but what happened was like oh um so my car like oh had to go into the shop like oh, no. the week uh the week after uh c2e2 so I get picked. So my dad picks me up in Champaign, drives, drives me to, uh, to our home and parents' house in Morton. And then I drove the van, my dad's van up with my sister. And then, you know, get there. I borrow my parents' old Pontiac vibe, <laughs> drive it down here. Obviously no Bluetooth. And I'm the guy who listens to podcasts in the car primarily. So, uh, you know, two weeks without a car, I'm very much backed up on, I, totally understand that I, yeah it happens to me every time we go on vacation i'll have like way too many hours of podcasts to, to continue to listen to and that's mm-hmm. just because that when i typically am listening to podcasts is like when i'm doing crap around the house you know what i mean right like and stuff like that so if you, mm-hmm. you go a week or two without doing laundry uh you have no reason to to have listened to a podcast yeah no no, no, no qualms taken about that russ no, no, none whatsoever i appreciate uh-huh. In you having me on here and getting to talk movies with you regardless mm. um so yeah all right well um yeah well i do have to get uh prep for dealing with the well playing is that an alcoholic or is that just a <laughs> um <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that like oh you said this we people will figure out you work here nope nope, nope. No, 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 no just a place that serves beverages yes all kinds. yes uh so uh your podcast the podcast we were talking about uh in love with movies um yep. so i i imagine on all platforms and yep. uh when do you drop new episodes for that that's a great question that's a monthly podcast so okay. we have uh new episodes every we scheduled so that it's whatever the last tuesday of a given month is okay so our next one comes out this next week i don't know when yours drops Russ, i but... i drop this on tuesday so it'll be well, listeners, yeah. then, if you happen to be hearing this it's on, a on Tuesday, day, uh, April then, 25th, then, yep. then it's the same day. Go find in right. the movies. We will have a brand new episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually very excited for our next guests. They are a, a fellow podcasters. They have something called Comic Book Couples Counseling. And Oh, uh, I, I, I yeah, uh, haven't gotten around. I mean, I, they, I have a lot of following and such. And, yeah. Um, uh, that definitely sounds good for your you know the premise of your podcast which is you know you and the missus yep all about love and movies we mm-hmm. talk about uh, the nature of love and romance and we talk about how uh, movies made us who we are and, and our definitions of love so yeah 
So, yeah, when we get around to train spotting, it'll be an interesting <laughs> one. Because <laughs> it is not a love story by any stretch of the imagination. Just uh, something that's all right. A lot of yeah. times the first half and the second half don't come along. So the first half we'll talk about you and your history with wherever you're at in romance yeah. and we'll share what you feel comfortable sharing and then what your philosophies on it are. And then, mm-hmm. then we'll talk about why transpiding is uh, yeah. such a fun and, and, you know, important movie to making who you are. And that's, Oh all yeah. Matters. Yep. That's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No movies. They're just like, I don't know. Clerks train spotting. It's like, dang, the only thing I haven't seen is necrophilia. Otherwise yeah, <laughs> I've seen about it all. So all uh, right otherwise uh, of course you can listen to 90 for chill the podcast with cat bus russ i'm trying to get away from paying Podbeam. <laughs> gotcha uh, at some point so trying to get the second feed going um uh, follow me on twitter at cat bus russ the uh twitter handle for in love with movies is the letter n um love with movies all yeah. spelled out yeah mm-hmm. just in love with movies but uh no i <laughs> right so um uh, otherwise you know rate subscribe on your favorite podcast apps uh preferably five star reviews be as honest as you want in the, in the text i don't think uh chat gpt has gotten <laughs> gotten there yet <laughs> uh to like oh um yeah Next thing you know, you're going to have five-star reviews with asterisks because a <laughs> robot has figured out. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a sarcastic. Uh, you know, otherwise talk trash about my my show on on Twitter at CatBusRust. <laughs> like, it's better than it's better than dealing with right-wing nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, as always, I thank Sasha Harden for keeping an eye on my ass. Uh, and uh, everybody else she uh, touched in her life. And I hope she's smothering the hell out of my late cat, Skimble Shanks. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I think that uh, pretty much. Oh, of course, if you want to be on 90 for Chill, the podcast, send an email to rustofus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Offer me a film, a movie. Well, that's redundant. A movie, a director, a theme, an actor. Just try to focus on sub 100 minute material. But I, I, as I, it's almost been a challenge now. Like, how do we break the code? Like, <laughs> I wanted, like one of my uh, recurring guests, uh, Andrew Tini, who I finally met for the first time in real life working at uh, my uh, beverage job. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he wanted to do Ghostbusters. He's like, well, and technically that's only 45 minutes. It's 45 seconds too long. <laughs> Took the time <laughs> one night to, uh, we can talk about meatballs and Caddyshack. <laughs> And if we happen to talk about Ghostbusters, <laughs> what can we do? So, yeah, so I can I can make anything work, uh, except Milos Schwarman, because I just haven't figured out. Uh, he doesn't do anything short. There's no, <laughs> like Tarantino, at least Reservoir Dogs is <laughs> bang, bang. So, all right. Well, thanks for uh, coming on the show, uh, fitting in this window. and <laughs> uh can't wait to talk to you again about something sounds good russ i really appreciate being on all right thank you take care can i hear a wahoo